0: I can't remember the seat the
1: Good morning, Saints.
0: Good morning. Come on, good morning, good morning. Saints.
1: Alright, we got a packed house this morning, and we are ready to go before the Lord. Praise His holy name. Of course, you see we have a little uh, instruction going around. Please do be mindful that uh we want everything to be as, as usual, which is for us and any church in America looking at us, it, it's, it's unusual. <laughs> so we're gonna continue to be our unusual selves. So Please do be mindful that throughout the foyer and all that, they had glass, so do wear shoes. I know sometimes our saints, we take our feet off and like to let our hair down, you know, and all that, but today, keep your shoes on, please, to make sure that while we're doing the maintenance out front, clean up all the glass, and you are taken care of. If we could all please stand to our feet before we go before the Lord, and led by our praise and worship team. We want to be thankful because there's many of things that could have happened. You know, this church, churches have been blown up, churches have been right. churches have been caught on fire, yes.
0: all kinds of crazy
1: things. Yes. But you know, we just have to be in prayer for those that committed this awful egregious act. Yes. That they don't know the Lord. And they have a boldness to break in a building, and this is a building just like any other building, because we yes. are the temple. But we want to make sure that we pray because someone out there needs salvation. Someone out there needs the word of God. Someone out there needs encouragement that they can be an overcomer just as we are. Hallelujah! You know, all the things that Paul listed in there when he talked about it, he talked about thievery. And then he said it to the congregation, and so were some of you. But we need to be in prayer, hallelujah. So let us never before the Lord, let us lift up our hands, let us give honor and thanks and glorify the God of God Lord, Lord Jesus. We are glad that you have brought us here today, Lord, and the heart to this local assembly, to this church has been little, Lord. Nothing that we can't recover from, but we pray, Lord, for you to move to- Again.
2: so I know where I'm at. Amen. I want to give honor to Pastor and Sister C. I love them. appreciate their leadership. I give honor to all the ministry in the house. My parents are here. Um, I want to to get right into the word of the Lord. I know I've got a word from the Lord for the church today. Uh, Matthew, the 16th chapter... We're going to begin reading at verse verses twenty one, and we'll read through verse twenty eight in Matthew sixteen, verse twenty one. From that from that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Verse 22, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Verse 24, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Verse 26, and this is one I want to key in on. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul, his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of the of his father with, with his angels. And when he shall and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto thee, I say unto you, there be some standing which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Brother Parks, would you ask the Lord a blessing? Oh God, we thank you Lord, for your living word. Allow that word, O Lord, to flow forth from our preacher this morning. Bless him and anoint him, O Lord God. Lord, we ask that you speak through him. Open our ears and allow them to be attentive to your word. O God, let us not, Lord, leave this place without applying your word in every facet of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you have um, you ever been driving or maybe walking or just going about your your business so to speak and you see a you've seen a sign. I know growing up in West Virginia um, I can remember this many times driving through country roads and seeing a sign on maybe a vehicle or maybe a house, some abstract object sitting in someone's yard with a sign on it that says not for sale. I always find it comical that when you see these things, it's something that most of the time I would never ask, is this item really for sale? Most of the time, like I said, it's a, it's a run-down junkie house or a car that's got rust holes in it everywhere. And But the idea behind those signs is this. The person that owns it sees great value in it. They don't understand the idea that everyone that drives by may or may not see the value in it. Almost in every one of those instances the reason that sign has been up is because someone has asked ultimately asked if those items have been for sale. In each instance that I've seen that I've seen these signs I've always always think that there've been there's got to be at least two parties that were interested in the item for sale. I may not see the value in it but somebody Ultimately does regardless of what what the items in question look like the owner has seen great value in the item and they want everyone for note to know that it's not for sale for the ink hit that next slide. If I could put a title on this this morning it would just be simply not for sale. Don't bother asking me about the item don't bother inquiring about it there will be no further discussion it's not for sale. You have great value. Your soul is something that the creator of the universe was willing to die for. It is, it's the same way for you and I here this morning. There are two factions that are warring for our souls. One gave his life to pay the price for our sins that we might live. The other is the father of all lies and is destined to spend eternity in hell. And he wants to take as many people with him as he can. Some of, you, some of you in here this morning have been playing games with God. You've been riding the fence. One Sunday you're in, the next Sunday you're out. You're spiritually, if we could put it in medical terms, you're life support. You amen the preachers when you come on Sundays. You dress the part. You've been around this thing for a while, so you know what motions to make during worship. To make people think that you're still spiritual. You know who to make eye contact with on eye contact with you know who to stay away from because that person might read your mail if they get too close all the while trying to convince yourself that your lukewarmness is okay you've played the part so long you've started to believe the life of yourself I remember growing up there was a a camp evangelist if I said his name many people would know but he preached a sermon one night. I'll never forget it as long as I live, but the title of the sermon was Masters of a Masquerade. People go around acting like everything is okay. There's sin in their lives, but no one but God and themselves know about it. This is, this is a heavy message for Sunday, Sunday morning, but I've got to preach what God has given me. I can go to the club on Saturday night and come to the house of God on Sunday morning and everything is fine. I can still feel the presence of God brother, the moment, so that must mean that God is not mad at me. God's not displeased with my lifestyle choices. I can go to those websites every now and again and God is okay with it. I can have a glass of wine when I go to Olive Garden because, let's face it, who eats pasta without wine? I can smoke my cigarettes because let's face it, where does the Bible say that I can't God's okay with me intentionally missing church to participate in something that has nothing at all to do with God. After all, it's just Pastor C, right? It's not like the king will be there. Actually, it's, that's quite the opposite. When we gather for corporate worship and the presence of God shows up, that is the manifestation of God's presence here on earth. It's, there's nothing more important in that moment than being in the presence of God. You've been fooled by the devil if you think that this type of lifestyle is okay. You have surrendered. That's that's God. Someone better answer.
1: Come on. Come on. Right
2: You have been fooled by the enemy if you think that you're okay. You have surrendered your heart and your mind over to him if you think it's okay to live like this. I've just come with a simple word this morning. It's time to make up your mind to sell out for Jesus. It's not a hard choice. When you think about it in terms of eternity, the idea of eternal life or hell should scare should scare people this morning. should make everyone in this house... I don't want to say scary. So make everyone in this house run to the altar and make sure that you leave That's right. The, oh, the right on. way. I don't want to scare you. I don't want to scare you. Because I don't think that scaring people, scaring people into heaven or hell is the right way to go. Because I don't think we're motivated by what scares us. I think we're motivated by what we want. That's good. Yeah. My pastor in West Virginia always would say, "You can bow now, or you can bow later, That's right. That's right. but every knee will bow." That's right. That's right. That's right. A little bit of advice, though. It would be better if you bow now. What a tragedy it would be to play around, to know, to know what it takes to make it, and to miss the rapture. Revelations chapter 3 chapter chapter three verses fifteen and sixteen. Amen. Everybody, all right? Yes. yes. I know that works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God's words here are pretty plain. God would rather us be hot. That's great if you're on fire. But if you're cold, at least there's an opportunity of repentance. There's an opportunity to change your life. But if you're lukewarm, it means you're on the fence. You can't make up your mind whether you want to serve God or, or live in the world. But God said because you ride the fence, because you're lukewarm, it makes you sick. I don't even... It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I just want to vomit. Come on. It's time to make a decision. It's time that we make up our minds to follow Jesus. There is no middle of the road in the kingdom of God. If you're not serving God, you're serving the devil. It's, it's black and white. It's not. There's no gray. God is calling us to sell out for the kingdom of God. Does that mean that once I start living for God, that things are going to be easy? I'll never go through anything again. Some people think that. People who 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 have never come to God or, or don't know anything about church think that once they once they surrender to God, that they'll never go through anything again. No, quite the opposite. You'll still go through things. You'll still you'll still have heartbreak. You'll still have upset. You'll still experience hurt and loss. But the thing that differentiates you from someone that's in the world is you will have God on your side. You will have the hope of eternity. No matter what I go through here on earth, I have the hope of glory. At the end of the day, your goal and my goal should be heaven. Heaven is a place. The Bible says, "Will there be no more no more sorrow, no pain, no sickness?" You don't hear a lot about a lot of preaching about heaven anymore used to be talked about in sermons and songs. So sometimes I think it's easy for us to lose sight of heaven and what it's all about. Sometimes I think that it just seems so far away or so far removed. God is in the house this morning. He's reaching. He's reaching for some of you that may have grown cold. I'm not here to judge you, but I've got to deliver what what God has given me. God is asking you to sell out for the kingdom of God. When the enemy comes to you, you need to turn around and tell him, "My soul is not for sale." In
0: Second
2: Kings chapter five, just leave that. You can just leave that up there, brother Steve. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to my. Next passage, But in 2 Kings chapter 5, we find the story of the prophet Elisha and Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria. This is one of my favorite passages from, from the book of Kings, 2 Kings. But Naaman was a great, the Bible says he was a great and honorable man, but he was stricken with leprosy. Naaman comes to see Elisha because he gets word. It's a fascinating story. You take the time and read it. But Naaman gets word that there's a man in Israel, there's a prophet in Israel that can heal him. So Naaman, Naaman shows up. He arrives at the house of Elisha. And Elisha sends out one of his servants to tell Naaman, he says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. So Naaman, when, he, when this... When the servant comes and tells Naaman, he becomes very angry. Good to see you, Sister Bubba. Amen. I love Sister Bubba. So he, he tells him, he gets angry. Naaman gets angry. And he's, he's upset because he said, well... Why doesn't he tell me to go to a, a cleaner body of water? There's, there's, you know, I can go to this pool or that pool. He doesn't understand, it. and then he's upset because, you know, he doesn't even have the decency to come out and see me. He sends a servant. So, so Naaman, so Naaman has a sort of a dialogue with his servants, and his servants reason with him. And he's like, hey, what he asked you to do really wasn't that hard. You're, you're making kind of a mountain out of a molehill. So. So why don't you just do what he said? So Naaman obeys. No like, Naaman's like, alright. So Naaman goes and he dips in the river seven times. So he comes up the seventh time and he's clean. God heals him. So Naaman, Naaman was Naaman was overjoyed about his healing. So he runs to Elisha, the prophet, with his entourage. And he requests to give Elisha something. For the healing. Elisha refuses the gift because Elisha understood that this would cheapen and abuse the gifts of God to take money to the miracle working power of God. But to, to fully understand this, let's go back sort of in time from that point. And let's go back to when Elisha was the servant to the prophet Elijah. Elijah was Elijah was the man, and Elisha saw something in, in the prophet Elijah that he 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 wanted. He, he, wanted, he, he desired the, the working of God, the, the supernatural, whatever he desired to be used by God. So the story of Elijah is fascinating, but the Bible says that when he it was time, when it was his time to go, to be translated, to die, whatever, it just he just went up into heaven. So when he fell. Elisha picked up the mantle. And I would explain to you what a mantle is, but I think everybody knows what a mantle is. The Bible says that Elijah, that Elisha did double the number of miracles. He asked for a double portion. And and God gave him more than that. He he allowed him to do double the, the amount of miracles. So now we jump back to the present. Naaman, and Elisha. Elisha had a servant by the name of Gehazi. Gehazi, it, Gehazi is an interesting character. I like to study Gehazi because he sort of appears, and then he disappears, and then he appears later on. And we can have a side discussion about that if you want to talk about, talk about that. But so... Gehazi first appears in 2 Kings chapter 4. Gehazi was was with Elisha throughout this entire story and had already seen the miracle-working power of God work through Elisha. So let's jump to the end of the story with Naaman. This is after Naaman leaves Elisha, after he heals him. Elisha tells him, no, I don't want your stuff. So Naaman's like, alright. So Naaman goes back home. So put the next, go to the next slide, brother. Brother Amen. Amen. Everybody love brother Amen. (laughs) Verse 20. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared Naaman this this Syrian. I'm not receiving at his hands that that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. Verse 21. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from his chariot to meet him. And said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray, a talent of silver. And two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents, and he urged him, and bound two talents of silver and two bags with two changes of garments, and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower he took he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house, and he let it and he let the men go, and they departed. Verse twenty-five. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went nowhere. I didn't go anywhere. I was just kind of hanging out. And he said unto him, Went not thy heart with thee? When the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee, is it a time to receive money, to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards sheep? And oxen and men servants and maid servants. The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. Amen. Gehazi saw an opportunity to get gain from the miracle working power of God, and he abused it. The story illustrates my point, I think, the best this morning. But Gehazi sold out his anointing for some money and some new clothes. How very sad to choose the things of the world over the things of God. What could have been with a servant Gehazi? Gehazi could have been the next Elisha. He could have... God could have used him... More than Elijah and Elisha put together, but instead he sold out his anointing for some money and some clothes. The world is calling for you this morning. Will you answer the call? I hope that some of you maybe you've been answering the call. I don't know. It's, you need to put your phone on Do Not Disturb, if I could use that analogy. 2 Kings chapter 4, amen, I'm I'm getting ready to close if the musicians, the we music, musician will come. 2 Kings chapter 4, and we'll read verses 1 through 10. I charge thee therefore before God, go to the next slide, Brother I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And shall be turned turned into fables. And I told, it's funny, I'm going to pause there. I told Brother, I told Pastor Crushfield last Sunday that I was going to preach part two of his message today. But we're living in perilous times. We're living, I believe, in the end times. Yeah. Verse five. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. That's a sermon in itself right there. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only. But unto all them that love his appearing do thou diligence to come shortly unto me and this is what I want to key in on this verse number 10 for Demas hath forsaken me loving this present world and has departed into Thessalonica Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia Thessalonica at that time was sort of the Hollywood it was the Las Vegas. It was the bright, the glitz, and the glamour. The Bible doesn't give a whole lot of information about Demas. In fact, I think this may be the only place in Scripture that he's referenced other than the fact that he left Paul. Given Paul's remarks, I think it's probably safe to say that he was probably a son in the gospel to Paul. To walk with Paul to see the things that this great man of God did and to turn away from that and walk the other way is hard to understand. I feel the Holy Ghost Paul's remarks here in this passage of Scripture is applicable to the church today. You can all stand. Don't sell out to the world. Don't sell out to sin. Sell out for God. I heard a story a number of years ago about a, about a band. And if I said their name this morning, most, I'm sure, younger people would probably know the name of this band. Very talented. Very talented. members of this band, their father, pastors of the United Pentecostal Church in the state of Oklahoma. They've sold millions and millions and millions of records around the world. Super successful. Millionaires, many times over, I'm sure. The day that they signed their record deal, a friend of the family, another preacher, another minister, came to the office where they signed their record deal. And they signed the paperwork. The man with the record company, when they all stood up and shook hands, said he was just sitting, the preacher was just kind of sitting over in the corner just kind of watching everything. The man that stood up Shook their hands and said, "You just sold your soul to the devil." Some of their records—it's—it's it's interesting. There's one album, and if I say this, you're probably going to know who it is. But one of their albums is entitled "Because of the Times." And if anybody—if anybody in here knows what "Because of the Times" is. In, is it's it's a mockery. It's an absolute mockery of the things of God. The altar's open. God's here, I feel God's presence. Don't sell out this morning. Amen. She can sing. today. If there's any question, am I right? I wouldn't leave this house today the same way that I came if there's any question.
1: The gospel of life. When everything in the end is done, everything else is going to be burned up. But what's going to stand is all that you have done in the kingdom. And there's going to be a time that we shall all receive our rewards. And that's not our salvation, but it's rewards for what we did in the kingdom. Our salvation was one with Christ's blood and our beast. want to make sure that the words that have went out from Reverend Fowler today, that we have heard them. We have taken the notes of 2 Kings and 2 Timothy and Revelation 3. And be mindful of these things as we continue in this season. Speaking of the end times. Speaking of what the Lord has in store for you. And what he has in store for the world. It's all about choices. It's all about choices. And those choices are there. Because every day, the enemy's going to offer to buy. But you have to turn away from the things of this world and turn toward the things of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for a good word that is going across today. As God got food and is prepared to Hallelujah. In us, planting seeds for us to have a bright future. Hallelujah. And Brother Father, thank you, sir, for the good word. And definitely as we stand and prepare to take offering for this service, as you prepare your wallets, Brother Father, I want to tell you, sir, great word. And we can be scared. We can be fearful. What brought me into the house of God was my fear of being out of his presence for an eternity. But it's not gonna keep. We gotta get people, when they walk in the door, today there's gonna to be somebody that walk through this door because they're fearful of their future, their eternal future. But it doesn't have to stay that way. I had to turn that fear from the tutelage that I received from the church members, from the preaching of my pastor, from the reading of the word and study in my own time, we have somebody with the little uh, uh, iPad. We have somebody with the iPad. Hey, uh, Sister Hall, if you could have grab somebody with the iPad so we could take up also my our debit cards and credit cards. And, um, but the thing is that we have to learn to guide these young saints, no matter how old they are. I was I was in my, I, was, I was thirty, my mid thirties when I came to the Lord that short time ago. But the thing is, I came fearfully, but I left with victory. I left with victory. Thank you for the victory, Jesus. Thank you for the victory. Let us pray for the offering. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father. We are thankful, Lord, hallelujah, that you have delivered a good word, Lord, a mighty word, Lord, a word of growth, Lord. But today, Lord, also, I want us, Lord, to give thanks, Lord, as we give in the offering, Lord. We pray, Lord, hallelujah, that you would bless this offering as we give back, Lord, unto the kingdom, Lord. In the end, it is all yours, Lord, and we are just stewards. And we want to be good stewards, Lord, to spend it wisely. Also in our own time, with our own uh, uh, purchases that we make. But we want to know that also this connects for us not to sell out to the enemy and hoard it and keep it all for ourselves, but give it, as you do, liberally, blessing our church and blessing others. We thank you, we praise you, we plead your blood over this offering. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, praise the Lord. Come on up, Give your offering. We have our money machine coming up. So you can go ahead and um, give to this local assembly and be blessed as you go.